Hey y'all, I'm Reese, and welcome to Making Meaning. Making Meaning is a podcast by the Cohere Collective here to help guide you along your path to make meaning in a way that makes sense for you. This week, we have our first return guest, Nicole Adams. Nicole was actually the very first guest I ever had on the podcast, is a very dear friend of mine and is my roommate and has been my roommate since she was a guest for the first time. So this is a really cool full circle moment of the podcast being out for about two years now and getting to return. So I'm going to start calling any episodes where we have return guests return guests making meaning Ouroboros episodes. So this is our very first Ouroboros episode and I hope you are as excited as I am. If you didn't listen to the very first episode with Nicole, you will not know that she is an extremely talented artist, cook, writer, human. Um, We met in college and we're still here. If you have just discovered the Cohere Collective, please subscribe to the YouTube channel right here. You can also leave me a like, drop a comment down below. You can also find the Cohere Collective on TikTok, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, and threads, but I'm not really posting on threads. (laughs) But all of those things are all at the Cohere Collective. And if you want to know even more, you can find us online at www.thecoherecollective.com. If you would like to follow me on Instagram, you can do so at Lillian Reese Brown. And if you would like to follow Nicole, you can find her at Nicole Iolioli. So let's all take a deep breath and get started. Hi, Nicole. Hi, Reese. <laughs> How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Today's a good day because I really don't have much planned. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. Perfect time for us to sit down and talk like we never do ever. (laughs) I know. Um, That never happens. (laughs) Never. Okay. So first thing, thank you for being the first return guest on Making Meaning. I'm excited to be here. I'm so excited. I'm a fan. Thank you. (laughs) Our first guest that we ever had was the wonderful Nicole Adams. And now, repeat guest, you're the first one. Um, And it's been about two years, which is It doesn't feel like two years. It doesn't. I remember I was asking you before we sat down, like, when when actually was that? And we were like, like, doing the math. The the meme with the math. No, that's actually what I'm thinking about. Yeah. But it's... um, like, we hadn't been living in this house very long. No. Really? Like, we were pretty fresh out of college, like, hadn't been settled. It was a totally different time, it feels like. <laughs> yeah. Really and truly. So, I, I want to follow up on that, but before we dive into it, tell me one thing you're grateful for right now. Um, I think random, but, like, the sunlight in this room. Oh, yeah. And the fact that I'm coming up on my one-year anniversary with this guy (laughs) and it actually had two plants in it my birds of paradise and so there's another pot over there with my second one and the fact that I've kept them alive is also what I'm grateful for I love that (laughs) well also it's so funny that you mentioned that because in the first episode one thing that I think was like a huge 
thing that I still think about for me was you talking about how much light inspires you and is important to you. You're right. I guess I'm kind of weird when it comes to that. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think it's weird. I think it's lovely. But like when you go on walks and you like watch the light, how it comes in through the trees. And so Mm -hmm. the fact that that's still like a part of who you are, I think is really cool. Yeah. I find myself working in this room a lot. I think a lot of the time just because of the sunlight. Yeah. Um, it just feels nice. Giant <laughs> truck just went by. Um, yeah. No, it this, does feel nice. And it's our, the room in our house that gets the most natural sunlight, which is really nice. Yeah. It's funny to live in a house with so many windows, but it, I've never thought about it. They have to be facing the right way. Yeah. And um, even like the courtyard only gets light at a certain time of day. And all of our other windows, like, we're, we're in this weird spot where we're actually kind of blocked from a lot of sun. It's weird. Like, I wouldn't have thought that, but that's, I guess, why I'm grateful for this room. Yeah. It's kind of nice. That's lovely. Yeah. So, <laughs> talking about it being about two years since we've last recorded, and we've lived together through that time, yes. and we were, like, fresh out of college, and now we're not. We're, like, young professionals in, well... I don't know how professional. <laughs> professional is oh. a loose term. <laughs> Could mean a lot of things. Um, yeah, but I, I think on the outside, people would consider us young professionals. Like that's the phase of life we're in. Yeah. What have those two years been like for you? I guess just generally, however you react to that question, but also transitioning from being a student in school into being a part of the working world and like living on your own and like kind of doing the adulting thing where to begin (laughs) it's funny i the first thing that i immediately think of is like it's been about two years Mm -hmm. whatever i say now two years from now i'm gonna be like "Ah, she didn't even know yeah (laughs) yeah true so that's like the first thing that i think about but with that being said like it's this huge like growth spurt time of life mm-hmm. and I do feel a lot more settled in it. And so I guess that's a good thing. Yeah. But as far as like what's changed a lot, um, I mean, even this house has changed looking around, yeah. like thinking about, you know, our roommates have changed. Our decor has changed and I feel like it's kind of matured with us and it's kind of like the physical representation of that, of that growth. Yeah. But outside of the house, I mean, to think about my work life, I don't even think I was dating Eli at the time. No. Which is strange. (laughs) (laughs) No, that was, I mean, you, you didn't, you, if we're going from our first interview, you wouldn't have met Eli for like another eight months. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that feels like it's been forever now, but it obviously hasn't been. Um, I'm in a totally different place at work. Um, my food Instagram has just gone off to die. I need to bring it back. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's disappointing. So funny. I've let them down. <laughs> You've let all of the Nicole's Eats fans down as a fan of I'm Nicole's. I'm still taking photos and doing nothing with them. I, I, You know what? As a fan <laughs> of Nicole's Eats, I would love to see it come back. However, I think that that is such a... Like, you never wanted that to be like a business or no. a company and it's like if no. it brings you joy great keep doing it i would love to see it but if not you know it's don't funny worry about it. it does but then sometimes the actual posting and making sure i have the right 
restaurant or whatever gets kind of annoying but i think i just need to like go back to the basics post the picture and let it be yeah because at the end of the day that is what people want to see right it's just your food it's nicole's eats not nicole's plugs i know but now there's this thing called tiktok (laughs) oh my god (laughs) tiktok like wasn't a thing when we first i I honestly don't know like was it not a thing then it it obviously was around but not what it is now right and because i wasn't posting on tiktok I, I hadn't even cohere. posted like a fun TikTok myself. I was that was one of those things where I was just so intimidated by the platform. Yeah. It took me so long to get on it. And then once I was, it took me so long to actually post something. God forbid somebody I know sees the content. Right. <laughs> and True. that algorithm's not in my favor. No. Everybody it, you met once on the street sees it. It's true. It's true. So that is actually so interesting to think about how we've changed, right? Because obviously we have, but also the landscape of stuff around us has changed so much. And like what, I just feel like the world moves so much Mm -hmm. faster now. Like obviously it's an understood thing that like a hundred years ago, change happened way less rapidly. But I'm like, even thinking about our world in the last two years, like politically, socially, like in a post COVID kind of world has changed so much so quickly what is being in like you personally in your life are in such a period of change like that's just the nature of our age group but also the world changing so much how do you like engage with change ah that's a good question I mean I feel like all the stuff you've been talking about like that inherently changes us like when our environment changes when the culture changes, like, that changes us. And it's one of those things, I don't remember the actual term for this, but it was so interesting. I remember learning this in my sociology class in college, where the example she gave was what students wear around campus. Mm-hmm. On the one hand, you know, culture tells students what to wear, but on the other hand, what the students wear informs the culture. Yeah. And it's a mutual thing. And there's really no beginning or end. I don't even know if you could consider it this circle, but it's this right. thing that's like constantly feeding each other. Yeah. And so I guess there's a little bit of that here. And there is a lot of change going on. Our good friend and roommate is no longer a roommate, which is tragic. <laughs> yeah, it is really tragic. We have just a lot of change going on socially with our mutual friends, whether they're yeah. in the next stage of life, doing this, that, the other. <clears throat> Of course, there's always our own families, that kind of thing. So, I mean, unless it's something I'm really not excited about. I like to say that, like, I I, I don't know if welcome change is the right word. Because, mm-hmm. like, no, nobody's like, hey, the door's open. Want to come change some things in my life and, <laughs> right. and let me not know about it? Like, no. <laughs> Want to shake things up shake a little things bit? Up? No. But with that being said, it usually is a sign that there is a period of growth, which I try to think of in those terms like as an optimistic thing. Yeah. So obviously there's things that like, like Sophie moving out is on the surface sad. Right. But, you know, obviously the two of us will focus on things like her happiness and her future. Exactly. And like, is it ideal? No, but like change is good. Yeah. You know? Totally. Most of the time, change is good. (laughs) I agree. So, 
to go back to what you were talking about, like you were saying, focusing on the optimistic side of change. I feel like, I mean, we know that naturally human beings tend to kind of fear and like have apprehension around change a lot that like change is just hard for human beings to deal with. So when you get to a place where you know change is happening, how do you change your mindset to focus on the optimistic side of it as opposed to focusing on like the fearful, oh, we're going to have to do stuff. Like what's that like for you? I think sometimes it's what I would call second reaction. Mm. (laughs) Something happens and it might take you by surprise, take you off guard. And, you know, like you said, your instinct is to react in probably a not great way. Yeah. You're either going to be upset about it or stressed out about it or or whatnot. But I think that, you know, you can't get down on yourself for that kind of a normal reaction. And so taking that second time around to try and focus on the positive, I think you should give yourself a pat on the back. Mm. Because I do think that there's a lot of people still who might like time and time again continue to to wallow. And so if you can give yourself enough grace to, you know, feel whatever it is you're feeling, but then second time around, think about, you know, who this is going to benefit or what good could come out of it. I think that that is doing your job as a human to try and do your best. (laughs) Yeah, totally. So doing your job as a human is like trying to look on the bright side of things. What else would you consider part of our job as human beings? Our job as human beings, the first thing I think primarily is like to love ourselves and to love others. Mm. I would argue that that has a lot to do with, you know, just our existence in general. Yeah. It's all... Built from love, built to love, whatever you want to call it. But besides that, I think that even when I was talking about like, oh, like, well, how do you find that glass half full? And Mm -hmm. I think that it is a way of thinking that is actually quite creative because if you're not willing to see what's not in front of you, you're not going to be able to come up with something positive out of darkness. Mm. But a way of creative thinking to me is essentially problem solving and change is sometimes a problem on the surface level. And so you being able to not like talk yourself out of something in a delirious way, but there's always something and we can always like create something that is a solution or that's helpful or I don't know, but I think that that creative thinking helps with that. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think that Oftentimes, I mean, I had this whole other episode with um, Vincent Andrews, who's Jessica's husband. I don't know if you've had a chance to listen to it Mm -hmm. yet, but he was talking about his research on creativity and how um, like we can make it more accessible to people. That was super interesting, like in education. Yeah. And I think a lot of the times we don't give ourselves credit for being creative people like just not not us like you and no, I. No, you're right. I mean, you could not even try as a person, but you are inherently creative because of the capabilities of our mind even. Right. And it's like, to me, that is inherent in what being a human being is, is creating something new, adding to the world around you. Totally. Um, and it's funny because a lot of people don't get the 
like outward stamp of approval for creativity. Yeah. Like if you're not in the arts, like even at my job, everybody in my industry, which is advertising marketing is kind of in a creative industry. But with that being said, you still have these labels of like, I'm on the creative team at my agency. Right. There are people who I work with who are not on the creative team. Does that mean they're not creative? No. Right. But I think sometimes they forget that they are because they don't have that label. Yeah, totally. Well, and even from a very young age, like we get this stamp of like, oh, well, they're a creative kid or, oh, they're not. And it's kind of one of those things that's like, even if you have like a math minded brain and not an art brain, math takes a lot of creativity. Like you were saying, the um, mm-hmm. like inherent problem solving and critical thinking like you have to be creative to think outside the box and how are new formulas found and created Mm -hmm. except for creativity i think so much of it is also in the application like just because you're not creating some new formula which is also a great path that doesn't mean you're not creating something because it's how you use tools to create solutions yeah and so if you're someone who's using this, you know, algorithm to solve a problem at your workplace that they were struggling with or it made it more efficient, more efficient. (laughs) 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 Like, that's fantastic. That's such a creative use of time and space. And I think it's the people who think in that way that sets them apart in their career. Because Mm. so often it requires, I mean, if you think about it, that kind of thinking is so outside the box You have to be the one to think about it. Nobody's going to ask you to do that because they don't even have the words or the capabilities to think about that. Yeah. And so what sets you apart in your career is being able to tap into the creative problem solving because then you're doing something that nobody even else thought was possible, thought to ask about, and you're presenting something that is giving your team really great value. Yeah. Because of your creativity. Absolutely. Well, and even in that, like you're on the creative team at your job, using you as an example, I'm sure that there are so many like systems and like operations that you still do every single day. Mm-hmm. Like being on the creative team doesn't mean you get to like waltz into work and just like dance and paint. Absolutely. Like- <laughs> I'm using thesaurus.com. That's not creative. Right. That's looking up a list of words because I can't think of something. <laughs> Yeah, so it is so interesting how labels impact how we think about ourselves, but also like going back to what you were saying with the like culture impacting humans and humans impacting culture. It's almost like does life imitate art or does art imitate life kind of question. <laughs> oh gosh. I know. I, I hate I, questions I, like that. <laughs> <laughs> Reese knows this. Yes. But it's almost like well does the label impact the way we think about ourselves or does the way we think about ourselves impact the label that we're given? And there is something there. Um, so that, I mean, I, I'm joking. I mean, I do kind of get annoyed if I get too in the weeds with questions like that. But, sure. I mean, they exist for a reason, and it's it's true. It's the whole, like, nature-nurture thing, right. right? Like, if someone tells you you're a creative person or if it's in your job description, you're going to remember that sometimes. Yeah. And vice versa. And so I think it does make an impact. And that's why I think these affirmations, um, especially things that people wouldn't expect, right? Like, say you're someone who's like a a good looking person. If someone tells you you're good looking, like, obviously, like, that's 
you know, maybe nice to hear, but it's something that is kind of on the surface. But when somebody notices something in you that you don't obviously notice in yourself, I think that is like the biggest compliment Mm. and like motivator that you can give somebody. So someone who doesn't automatically have that label as a creative person, like say you're working in, you know, finance and you're a manager and you tell somebody on your team that what they did was a creative solution. Mm. That's such a compliment that maybe is not like that's outside of the norm and it's adding value to that person's life and their sense of self. Totally. Well, and the labels can also be really positive sometimes, right? Like I know Mm -hmm. I label myself a writer and do I write every day? Absolutely not. But that's so true. I mean, I call myself an artist and I haven't painted in so long. I'm, tr- I'm supposed to paint today, actually. You'll paint But I haven't today. gotten there yet. <laughs> It'll happen. It'll happen. But it's like, there is something so motivating to me when I'm like, no, I am a writer that actually makes me want to write, you know, as mm-hmm. opposed to being like, well, I'm not a writer because I don't write. Like changing the framework around that too, that it can help be a motivating factor to, you know, be that type of person that you want to be. It matters how you talk to yourself. Yeah. It really does. Totally does. So on that, what are, how do you talk to yourself? Oh, I say the most wonderful things to myself. (laughs) I'm a princess. (laughs) I'm, I'm the queen of my own life. I mean, I'm amazing. I'm going to be a chef one day and an author (laughs) And I'm going to shop for Trader Joe's and eat the world's best ketchup in the best, most fabulous five-star hotel. I'm going to be a chef and an author. And, and are those things even going to happen? Who knows? So funny. But the fact that I tell myself these things, I think, can't set me up for anything but success. Why, why do you think that is? Because I think some people would say you're actually setting yourself up for delusion. You're actually... I don't think that, right? I I totally agree with you. But I think there are some people out there that are like, don't lie to yourself. Even though, in my mind, I totally agree with you that even if it doesn't happen, thinking about that and having something to strive for is really powerful and helps you today, even if you don't end up getting there. But what makes you so certain that talk at least actively trying to talk to yourself like that and shooting for that is setting you up for success well I think it goes back to like how you talk to yourself and your perception of yourself that's where I think everything begins everything that you interact with with the world around you whether it's how you speak to others whether it's what you accomplish in your life I really do think is a lot of a reflection with how you feel about yourself and your sense of your own worth Mm. and so saying things like that to myself is my way of setting me up for success and the thing about you know delusion and that kind of thing totally valid and I think that it is this kind of double-edged sword where you know think about a parent who tells their kid you can be anything when you grow up is that actually true no but it's a good lesson for kids right because as you get older you understand that even though there are some things that are not possible, the, the, you allowing yourself to think that anything is possible is setting you up for success. Mm. I know that royalty is not in my future. <laughs> <laughs> I live in the States. They're not going to marry a prince. 
If I did, would I even be considered royalty? Probably not. So, like, it's just not in the cards, right? But with that being said, words have whatever meaning you really want to give to them. And so, like, I'm my own princess. Does that mean I'm royalty? No. But I am my own princess. I kind of love that. (laughs) Um, Words have whatever meaning you want to give to them. Talk more about that. I have always been someone who's really fascinated with language um, and, like, the connotation of language. Mm -hmm. Like, to some people, because of their own experiences, they might be... They might have a totally different perception of the same word that somebody else does. Yeah. It's kind of... Well, this might be getting off track, but I think about this sometimes where, like... If I'm looking at this green plant over here, and Reese is also looking at this green plant, are we seeing the same shade of green? I genuinely don't know. I don't know if we will ever know. I I don't think there's any way to prove Exactly. Yeah. And so, in a less tangible way, like, we're all giving our own meaning to things, and so language is just an extension of that. Words have different connotations, positive, negative, and they change over time. Like, I mean anything think about the word oh gosh i don't know or even like going back to the other thing like creative yeah creative like the root of that is creating something or creator we all create things but you wouldn't necessarily think that like a construction worker is creative but they are literally creating a building or Mm -hmm. you know and so it's like the, the connotation yeah. around that word has been removed from actually the start of what that word was intended to describe, to yeah. denote. And I mean, I know you're very interested in poetry. You find that interesting. I honestly cannot say the same for myself, <laughs> but there is something to be said for playing with language and knowing that one word could have seven different meanings and those different meanings could emote different feelings in a person and how they're grouped together um, can give you a totally different feeling as a reader and as a writer. Um, Obviously writing is my profession. (laughs) And so I care about this probably more than the average person. Um, But it's my job as the person writing messages for brands and in advertising that the general public sees. It's not their job to be writing stuff like that, but it's my job to anticipate how they're going to feel when they read it. Mm. And so me thinking about the connotations of language really deeply and how those words pair together is so important in order for me to get the right feeling across to the person I want to be seeing that message. Totally. Well, and even thinking about like you said, how it can change when you string different words together. Like, tragedy. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, well, that was a tragedy, of course. That, like, evokes all of these sad things. But then you think, beautiful tragedy. And it's like, okay, now we're, like, somewhere Shakespearean. And, <laughs> like, even just adding that one word, though, it's like, the, those are two totally different things, right? Yeah. So I think that's so fascinating. I also want to go back to something that you said about how we attribute meaning to so many things and that language is just an extension of that. Um, Obviously, the name of the podcast is Making Meaning. 
And I do think that inherently human beings make meaning whether we're consciously aware of it or not. And I totally agree with you that language is just another way that we do that. And it's a way that we do it with other people because it's the vehicle we have to Mm -hmm. communicate, to connect. Um, As someone who, like you said, your profession is words. Words are your profession. And trying to not guess, but like deconstruct and approximate how other people are going to view the meaning of what you create how do you, I don't know, think about that and like, as you are literally on this end of like, how does this product or brand come across to this person? What does this brand now mean to this person because of words? Like, how do you think about that when you're working? And I don't know how much you might. But... Well, I... um will not mention the name of my actual client, but for example, one of my clients is, is an airline and it's a pretty well-known airline and (laughs) the meaning, even a word like nose could, could associate something like nosedive, which is a plane crashing words like crash words I mean, anything that could potentially have this feeling of of not safety is something that you would have to really be careful to avoid. And I'm not giving very good examples, but there are some really, like, everyday words that just wouldn't work for that brand. Right. Because somebody would hear them, and it would subconsciously trigger something negative. Right. That could potentially make the brand look bad. But if one of my other, you know, food clients said the same thing... It, nobody would think twice. Yeah. And so thinking about the context of what that brand is and what they're doing is incredibly impactful and it's so imperative to think about. And the other thing would just be, you know, the target audience. Right. Like, who is this audience? What is their mindset? What are their beliefs? What is their age group? Yeah. You know, the same message to, you know, 60-year-olds will not hit the same with 25-year-olds. Yeah. Um, and so that is something that plays a huge role. And then the other thing is, is history. So if there was an event or an incident that happened, you know, recently that was, you know, picked up by the news or something, that's something that needs to be on the forefront of our minds Mm. when we're talking about, you know, maybe we shouldn't say that. Maybe we should be more sensitive about this kind of topic. Right. That kind of thing. Totally. That is just, it's just so fascinating to me because you inherently are like even though you're a writer and your job is to write Mm -hmm. you are also practicing so deeply like psychology sociology a lot of psychology like you said history like there are so many there's like a car chase happening on our street that's scary mission impossible (laughs) yeah like actually um but there's actually so many other things that are going into what you're doing besides just writing and I oftentimes think that that's true of any profession and right now we're kind of like diving into language and writing I totally agree you know skills without smarts is not helpful right well because even thinking about like going back to the example of a construction worker sure 
maybe their expertise, the way yours is like writing and definitions and grammar and that kind of thing is like understanding different building materials and like how to like what kind of wood works best for this or like what kind of foundation is this needed. But I bet absolutely along the process, they're thinking about like the visual aspect of this. What if I'm building a hospital? Oh my gosh, there's like actually a car chase happening. I don't know what's happening. There's another police officer. (laughs) That is crazy. This intersection's crazy. This intersection is crazy. Um, That is something that has not changed. (laughs) (laughs) Nope. The accident every week. Every week. Um, But like, I bet like building for a hospital is so different than building for a restaurant than building for a home. Yeah. Like the way that you think about that, of course, the principles of like sound construction don't leave the same way the principles of like grammar and diction don't leave when you write, but like switching the context, like they're also using so much of your experience of a human being to connect and create something for other humans. And when you're, I think nine times out of 10, no matter what our work is, we're doing it for humans. And yeah. so having that human first mindset, I think makes any company so much more successful. Mm. And you were talking about, you know, different kinds of construction for different buildings. And you mentioned restaurants. And I think that is a fantastic example of, you know, designing with a human in mind. Mm. I recently read a book by Danny Myers called Setting the Table, who owns and runs restaurants primarily out of New York City, but also Shake Shack. And he talked, yeah, this is his latest venture. Um, but he talked so much about what he calls enlightened hospitality. I would encourage anyone to read it. It's a fantastic book, even if you're not interested in owning your own business or restaurants. But he talks so much about the details of how different things will impact a human, mm. whether it's the art on the walls or in some of these things you don't discover until the first month a few months right. of the restaurant opening, but listening to that human's feedback is essential for that restaurant to continue to be popular. Because if, for example, the floors are loud and it's a nice place where maybe a woman is going to be more likely to wear heels and then it's clanking and it's creating this noise that's really not appealing to the ear, you know, that, that is so might not even be something that the customer is registering or it might be something that bothers people who are dining who aren't the ones walking around. Right. Little details like that that go back to the human and their experience of the restaurant. It doesn't matter how pretty it is if it's not serving that person's experience. Right, because there's totally that thing that people have where it's like, I don't know, I just really like this place. Or like... I just love the like feeling of this restaurant. Like your favorite restaurant, like it just has this feeling and could very well be because of a series of small things like that. Totally. That's, like a like a soft material and a quiet atmosphere right. and a nice color. Like all those little yeah. details add up even if you're not registering it. Well, and I know for me water bottles in the way. One of the most like really tangible things in this restaurant thing that is so important to me is lighting. Totally. Like I hate being in a restaurant where I'm like, I cannot see the person across from me, Mm -hmm. but also you don't want to go into a restaurant and it's like bright at night. I mean, if you like go to a brunch place and it's bright and sunlit, like that's lovely. But if you're going out to a really nice, like maybe romantic dinner, but again, knowing your audience, knowing the context of the time of day and the occasion for that meal, like 
It's the same thing. I mean, all the same principles, whether it's writing and advertising for someone or building a restaurant, the context, the person, the, the audience, like they're all the same questions that yeah. we're asking. So why do you think it's important then to be asking those questions? Do you, do you feel as though it really is like just everything does come back to being a human being and that that is like the important thing? I think it does, but I also think it depends on what kind of what kind of person you are. I mean, if you want to be the kind of person who whether you're an employee or the owner of a business, if you care about the human experience, then putting the human first is what's going to bring you success. If your primary goal is you know, money and you're not thinking about the experience of somebody, there's a chance your business could be really successful and, you know, you just lucked out. But there's also a chance that, you know, after some success, it's going to crash and burn because the human's not being served at the end of the day. And people yeah. get tired of that. Yeah. Well, and it is so interesting to me, too, thinking about this from a more, like, economic viewpoint and in, like, so many small business or all business owners, right? It's like, well, if you're running a business... We all need money to survive, right? Mm-hmm. If you're running a business, even if it's like your baby, your child, at the end of the day, it also has to make money in order to stay viable. It does. Um, and I think so often you hear stories of people that like, oh, you put money ahead of the person, but it's like actually by putting the human first, that will inherently support you financially too, right? Totally. I mean, investing in people... Um, whether it's the people you're serving in that case, you know, your, your customers or your clients mm-hmm. or the people within that company, your servers or your people on the creative team, like investing in all the people is going to bring you success. And it's okay as a business owner to have financial goals, be one of your main priorities. They should be in order for your business right. to survive for, for a business, <laughs> um, but that those two things, you know, should be working congruently. Like yeah. they shouldn't be constantly butting heads, people or money. Like finding a way to make them work together, I think is is the goal. Um, but even thinking about my company, you know, the man who owns it is a fantastic person, and he cares about his employees. Does that mean he doesn't care about the business succeeding? Like no. Like but we all want to succeed together. Yeah. You know? Well, and even thinking about that, it's like, that's probably why the business does succeed so well. And like why people yeah. stay there for so long because they, it, it's also that like owner mentality. Like they care about the company because it yeah, feels you have that ownership around it. Feeling like somebody cares about you, your success, your life outside of your job too. Yeah. Um, it just, it does so much more than, you know, an extra $5 ever would, you know? Yeah, so true. Okay, so we're nearing the end of our time. But I want one more question before I wrap up with our final question. Um, to bring it back to the big picture of making meaning, how do you think your concept of like living a meaningful life has changed or stayed the same in the last two years since we recorded I think the biggest thing is the question of what are your priorities Mm. because the things in our life that you know are going to give us the the greatest most valuable meaning 
are the things that are should be probably our highest priorities. Right. So whether that's your family, your friends, your health. Um, and I think that, you know, the average person, if you're writing down like, oh, the top five things, all those things are going to come up. But it's much, it takes a lot more practice and skill, I think, to in the average day of normal life to actually notice those things. Yeah. It's really easy to accidentally or unintentionally deprioritize one of those big things in your life. Totally. Well, and I think it's really easy to like say, oh, this is really important to me or this is a core value or like a key facet of the life I want to live or the person that I want to be, but not have your daily habits, behaviors, choices, mindsets actually align with those things, right? Yeah. Like, and that's not an easy thing to do. And I think the awareness of it is important. Like mm. knowing that you're a human being who stuff's going to come up, like something at work is going to make you cancel dinner with friends or whatever. And that's going to happen. But on the whole, trying to align yourself with reminding yourself, you know, what are my priorities? How can I keep those priorities? And how can I like really cut out time that I'm spending on other things? Like I've started spending a lot less time on social media, Mm. which is kind of an obvious one, but it's given me more time to do other things that are more important to me. Yeah, totally. Okay. Very last question, because this is what we always end on. What is one word to describe how you feel right now? Mm. quiet it's so quiet in our house on the weekends it is and there's also something to be said for another meaning of that which is similar to like a feeling of peace yeah you know well i love you i love our home and our home does have a feeling of peace and you give me a feeling of peace (gasps) you too peace (laughs) thank you so much for the time for being the best friend and (laughs) making me a better version of myself. Love you. I love you. Thank you all so much for being here today and a huge thank you to Nicole for being our first return guest. Again, please subscribe to the YouTube channel, give us a comment or a like, and you can find us anywhere, all at The Cohere Collective or at thecoherecollective.com. Right now, I am feeling peaceful even though it's been a really busy week and it's a really busy week this next week. This feels like a nice moment of reprieve in between all of those things and I'm glad to be spending it with you. That is all I have. I hope you feel like you are living more coherently and until next time, love.